Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is, of course, episode 102 and 3. 1, 2, 3. The first episode yep. of 2022. The very first 2022, yeah. man. New year, new us. Yeah, new year, new us. This is our first uh, fungible, fungible, fungible <laughs> podcast of the year. Yeah, dude, yeah. you can you can definitely uh, give us money, yeah. and we will send you a receipt for this podcast. <laughs> and no one else can lay ownership on it mm-hmm. but you. Also, it's ten grand for this uh, for this voice. Listen, living in the blockchain, it's exciting. It's on the forefront of technology. People want it. They'll pay money for it. You yeah. Know? A lot of sex stuff out here. A lot of sexy stuff. A lot of bored apes. Never thought that, that would be the uh, the start. <laughs> Pioneering our digital existence is like bored apes? Yeah. Excuse me? I, I showed you the Reddit post of yeah. the, the one fiancé who got his girlfriend fiancé um, a, a bored ape NFT for the holidays when all she wanted was like a $230 purse and she was really yeah. upset by it. I'm going to call that a big miss. Yeah. I asked for a purse and you give me a fucking bored ape receipt? Well, his angle was, one, it looks like you. I'm not going to get into the details of the why. That's worse. Like you. And uh, two, he was claiming it it was an investment in their future. Okay. You know what's really ironic about that? Probably ended their future right there and then. Right there and then. Mm. If you got me an NFT for like my birthday, Mm -hmm. I would, well, I would laugh Mm -hmm. for a very long time. Like, uh, like probably like 10 minutes past the point of like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You think this is stupid. And I would still continue to laugh. What if I got you like a really cool, it's hard to say really cool and then fault with NFT because it's an- antithetical really, but well, my, a really cool Claire Redfield NFT. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be into that. And I don't think Claire would be into that. Claire's not real, so that's why I feel confident sure. speaking for her, uh, in that I, I think she just would think it's antithetical to to what she does sure. with Terra Save. <laughs> you know, they're they're saving the environment yeah. or whatnot, right? Well, um although my weakness would be a bored ape that looks like Ian Malcolm. I'm, <laughs> I might be really into that. Okay. So if we can get that going on, sure. And like the black leather and everything, open yeah, shirt, all absolutely. that. Oh my God. Yeah. So this year sucks already. Yeah. Um, two big things. One, we already talked about, we're in an NFT apocalypse where every company sees gold in these digital hills and they're announcing left and right. They're going to be doing these stupid, stupid fucking things, which is stupid, stupid, fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second part is uh, we didn't get vaccinated enough. Uh, because now we have fucking mutant strains named after Transformers coming after us. Mm-hmm. Cool. What is this, year two of pandemic? Yeah, it's year two of, it feels like year 30 at this point. Year, it, yeah. It feels yeah, like yeah, this yeah, extended yeah. COVID uh, sphere. It's, I don't know. This is a lifestyle gaming podcast, by the way. Like, we're not just going to talk about like, oh, video games are cool. Oh my God. Oh, oh Ghost Recon 2 or whatever. No, we're in a pandemic, motherfuckers. And it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to say, right, yeah, New Year, in. same us, but we kind of want to try and do some new habits, right? Uh, this episode, news episode, I want to get in hot and fast with it, tight. right? I want it to be a tight 90. It's going to be a tight right? 90. We, what? No, no way, dude. Yes, what? 90? Yes. Tight 90. That's what this is going to be. Roommates, hear it now. That's our new re- New Year's resolution okay. to you. And the reason I'm saying this is because we sat down last weekend. We did a Game of the Year podcast. Uh, it's still in the editing bay. Kevin's working hard on it. End time was like six hours. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of like surgery that's going on there behind the scenes but if somebody were to ask me kevin how do you know that uh a recording went wrong 
My response would immediately be, I'm looking at six hours. <laughs> six hours. So this podcast you're listening to right now might come out before that podcast. Oh, no. Most it, for undoubtedly. Sh- it for sure is going to come out. Because I still have another two hours to yeah. sift through. And I've cut an hour out. Mm-hmm. Like an entire hour is gonzo of just mouth filth. Okay? But I think you'll have fun with the, the end result, hopefully. Hopefully. Maybe. Don't listen to it at once. That That's a lot of mouth. That's a lot of that's mouth. That's a lot of mouth. A lot of video game opinions. Yeah. A lot of mouth. A lot of mouth. And I hate it because like I, I came off of a stint of like streaming. Mm-hmm. And so my voice was like already uh, on the horse side. And you know I hate horses. And it just gets worse over the six fucking hours. We put in a job. That's a job, Daniel. Yeah. Six hours is a job. Around hour four, I got really fatigued. And I don't even think we were like in the top three games yet. I didn't even want to talk about video games anymore. No, I was just no. done by the time we got to like number four. I was like, I, no. I want to die. I had fun though. Uh, you know, we were out friend of the show and good friend outside of the show as well. <laughs> Chelsea Heckabad on. To, just good friend in general, you know. Our friend Chelsea. <laughs> you yes. know, the blue bomber herself, yeah. uh, you know, just talk games with us the year in gaming and all that so right. that, that was fun i'm excited to listen to it so you know yeah. you can look at it as a if you're looking at the staring on the barrel of a six-hour podcast it's probably bad but you know what sometimes like other podcasts right like i'm sure funhouse has like six hours of like content that they've pared down before it's just because there's just so much content there it's all so good yeah you know? and they're motivated by the fun of the content and the fact that they get paid yeah that's true <laughs> well this is detracting from the idea that we are going to be a tight 90 let's 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 get out of the fluff let's get into the plug because like we got a lot of news ahead of us right we got like six items we got a few smaller topic points and uh you know i want to deliver quality content for the roommates this year right you know (laughs) (laughs) no more no more mind and ear filth right done in previous years we're going to be completely professional in this podcast this is the most button up podcast we've this is the new us yeah 2022 Here we go. Well, if you didn't know who we are, we are The Save Room, the only podcast that just wants to string ourselves up in the blockchain and die digitally. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show or on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and RSS feeds across the metaverse. Did you see the thing um, no. where Walmart is participating in like the VR metaverse space where like you can do your shopping at Walmart in VR? Okay. Yeah, it's really weird. What does that mean? I I don't even really know. It's like they they were doing a demo of like somebody like just going through this this checkout process of like adding things to their digital cart and uh, they had like a digital... Oh my god, they invented a website. Yeah, exactly. Like how is it not just a website? It seems like the process is even longer because it took like fucking three times as long to like do everything but i guess in this new future it's about the experience wait so like are you like uh, is it like a virtual representation of a walmart Mm -hmm. you're walking through yeah and there's like a virtual attendant uh just talking you through some of the items and things it's like oh you already have colgate in your cart maybe you should put that back uh are you done shopping (laughs) don't tell me how to shop (laughs) do do you want to check out a tv (laughs) Ooh, this is a good one you don't you don't tell me how much colgate i need i got a big (laughs) mouth bitch You understand me? <laughs> I need two tubes <laughs> for top and bottom. You're telling me how fucking you, Lawrence Walmart over here is telling me what to do? <laughs> this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Agreed. First of all, if they want to like have a, uh, a representation that's true to life of a Walmart, you need to have some guy who's there post-12 
p.m. Mm. just kind of screaming about how we're all going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. Have you seen these videos online? There was one person going, y'all going to go to hell. And you have to get security to walk her out, Mm -hmm. but not before she threatens most people just waiting in the self-checkout line. That is the true authentic Walmart experience. Yeah, you have to have like transients eating like Swiss cake rolls and like, you know, tearing through product that they're not going to buy. You have to have like the fucking 17 year old dude who's like drinking a Pepsi that he's going to put in a fucking like coat aisle or something. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Do the full experience. I'm in, I'm in the in the DVD section looking at a bunch of VeggieTales DVDs <laughs> and there's just a random Mountain Dew half open in there. That's yeah. what I need from the Walmart experience. I okay? need a flickering light. Yeah. Like one light tile that's just kind of like going in and out. I don't need this fake bullshit, right? Yeah. Well, if, if I wanted to go somewhere to get some real bullshit, where I would go is I would go over to twitch.tv slash the red herb and check out my boy Kevin these days. Right. He's got a green screen. He's in the game. He's, Greened up. He's, he's playing so many games <laughs> right now and uh, t- tell the people what your newest endeavor is. My newest yeah, endeavor your newest stream series is the stream of the ancients where I'm wow. working through wow. uh, near replicant and then near automata on stream. It's, it's probably going to be a short arc. I call these stream chains. <laughs> what? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be a, a theme of the episode. Sorry, it's better than Bored Apes. I don't know. I don't sure. know what to tell you. But uh, yeah, doing that. I'm not sure where, where else we're going to go in the year. Because last year, if you recall, we had some good arcs. We had Devil May Cry, did every single one of them. That was a lot of fun for me, except for part two mm-hmm. and parts of part three. And um, and then we did a few others, right? Like I think I did Doom 2016 did and Doom, Doom Eternal. It's fun. So I'm looking for that. I think one idea that was pitched last night is doing uh when the new uncharted collection comes out for and lost legacy Mm -hmm. that they are doing for ps5 maybe do do an arc for that that'd be fun small arcs because i know when elden ring comes out there's no arc there's no stream chain there's just just me playing elden ring this is the year of our lord Mm -hmm. miyazaki yep i'm gonna be in there with you too because that's a multiplayer game we're gonna be doing some some work there yeah uh we're still supposed to be doing demons souls with chelsea at some point yeah at some point yeah who knows when well she said it might be a a fuck you it's january game fuck you it's january i think sundays are the only days that work for that but we always record on sundays uh so we'll figure it out yeah it's it's hard to do it without like double booking ourselves it's hard to get adults to do the same thing that, that like it's impossible. The only reason we're able to do it is because we live together. Correct. Yeah. And even then, we haven't played a multiplayer game together like since Avengers, since we popped that plat. That was a good combined effort, though. We popped that, that plat together. That so, was like, very conservative effort. That was great stuff right there. So my thing is like I I loved the Avengers experience together. That was great. Um, I, I don't know what would be next though. Is kind of the thing. Like I, I had picked up Back for Blood. Haven't opened it. It's fine. Yeah. So I mean, other than like going back to like old favorites, right? Like the Souls games or whatever. I'm like, I'm not really sure what we would play. We'll think it through. Maybe we'll play Halo together. That's true. My it's boy just got a, got an Xbox Series X. Got a Series X. New New Year. New New console. Yeah. Got video games on it, a mm-hmm. bunch of good stuff on Game Pass. And you know, the one thing that I'm thinking, like, what a great service. I own most of these games. <laughs> I own, I bought them already. I bought them all for the PS5. <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up. Yeah, but now you can play them with achievements. Ah, there we go. Work through them again. But Daniel, they can also catch my boy when he's doing his solo adventures mm-hmm. at Dungeons and Daniels slash twitch.tv.com, other way around, whatever it is. What what's what were you? You said you were gonna do Final Fantasy fifteen, but what the fuck? 
What the fuck indeed? What the fuck happened? Roommates, sorry. I, I make an announcement that yeah. it can be interpreted as a promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then things happen, right? The holidays happened. Oh, I've been there. I was I lived through this holiday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was one of those things where like start of the month I was like, Yeah, I think I could commit to like blocks of of Monday streams, like maybe four to six hour streams and get through Final Fantasy fifteen. And I did the first stream, which was like a two and a half hour teaser taster situation. And then just because, like, the next week was Christmas, then New Year's, it's just like I haven't really been able to go back to it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. The people seem to really like it. I had fun going back to it, even though I think, uh, like, now six years later, going back to Final Fantasy fifteen, there are elements that are a little rough about it. I would still like to see it through, for sure. Bad combat, huh? Yeah, a little bit. A little combat. bit. I, I gave yeah. a pass on the press triangle to warp strike, uh, you know, in my younger days. And now as somebody who's played, you know... The evolved combat that is Final Fantasy VII Remake and just seeing ah. how much potential there could be for that sort of combat system. I'm just uh, a little disappointed. It's hard know. to go back home again. But it's the, hard. the thing about that game is it is going back home. It's it's being with the boys. It's, it's hanging out in the regalia, listening to fucking Final Fantasy chip tunes, doing right. side quests. Some life. You know, so we'll, we'll see. Um, if I don't go back to that in immediacy, there's probably other games I could rotate in and out what a bizarre podcast we mm. have here where people walk in and goes like oh the new podcast 2022 what are these boys talking about? final fantasy 15 yeah what we're mood gamers <laughs> listen if you're, if you're just now listening for the first time in our six-year run we're the fucking save room we're in those closed circuited open world games popping plats right. we mood game we mood game we like eat in crazy. our beds we, we do things that are pretty unsightly for for most people you eat in your bed? Gross, dude. Oh, come on, man. Gross, It's, it's one of my man. cardinal sins. What do you want? Whoa. You want Who me? would do that? So, I mean, I'm thinking of other smaller experiences. Like, I, I'm playing through Chicory right now. I'm still in the opening hours, and I hear, like, around where I'm at now is where the gameplay starts to really, like, pop off and, like, open up in terms of, like, being, like, a action-adventure, like, Zelda-type game. Also playing through Spider-Man. I'm doing the DLC right now, so that could be cool to stream. I don't know. I, I just don't know. Sometimes it's nice to, like, just have a Monday off and just exist right i don't know what that's like i sat in bed no you if you have a day off if you've had a, if you have an hour off you're just yeah. like i'm gonna stream I'm gonna stream last night you streamed near yeah. and then you're like all right i'm gonna chill i'm gonna get let my voice rest because i have to podcast tomorrow you ate dinner yeah played some near and then you started streaming at like midnight right and so like you're one of those people where it's like i was disappointed there's nothing to watch <laughs> i thought that new ghostbusters was rentable it's not it's 20 fucking bucks oh really yeah and vod i was like i'm not gonna spend 20 bucks we could probably for... red box it dude Oh, well, uh, I think it's only VOD right now. I don't mm. think they actually have physical discs out. No way to know. Yeah, so there's no way to even see this movie. There's Where other things. Box? They're probably in a Walmart somewhere. I'm not going to go to a Walmart. They're <laughs> making fun of me for my double Colgates. <laughs> <laughs> I love a returning bit. Uh, speaking of returning bits, we're bringing back an old one that we haven't done in a while, which Kevin loves. It's called Quote of the Week. Oh, oh, yeah. whoa, who put this here? Oh, Kevin did. Yeah, Kevin. Oh, I'm the Santa Claus of this podcast. Here we go. I got a quote for you. This is this caused some uh, contention, some rabble on the old internet. This tweet came from a Mr. Jeff Ross. You might remember him, or not at all. I don't begrudge you for not knowing people's names. Uh, director of the hit Sony exclusive Days Gone. I feel like we know his name because he tweets loudly and is often outspoken in interviews about the perceived lack of success of days gone i thought jeff ross was a comedian's name 
I'm pretty sure there's a Jeff Ross. That's yeah, there is. He's in a bunch of roasts. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, he directed Days Gone? Wow, this dude is really just yeah. like <laughs> the Vesuvian man <laughs> of entertainment. <laughs> Uh, but Mr. Uh, Days Gone, I don't think he works for Sony Bend anymore. He left, mm-hmm. but his quote is this. At the time I left Sony, Days Gone had been out for a year and a half and a month. Okay. And sold over 8 million copies. It's since gone on to sell more and then a million plus on Steam. Local studio management always made us feel like it was a big disappointment, end quote. So... This was a quote tweet on top of a tweet promoting the fact that Ghost of Tsushima by Sucker Punch uh, crossed the 8 million copies sold threshold, which is a big achievement for that game. Mm -hmm. And so for him, he's like, well, for us, it's a disappointment, but for them, it's an achievement? What the fuck, right? Now, I did a little bit of digging, which is to say that I Googled once. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds like, well, did did it really sell 8 million is a new question. So Push Square... Actually wrote an article saying that this dude went on to go, uh, sorry, Jeff Ross went on to go on to David Jaffe's podcast because David Jaffe spends his time not making video games, just being a weird old man talking about them, right? Mm. But who are we to, (laughs) to throw sticks at that stone? You know what I'm saying? But apparently, so this is from the Push Square article. Uh, quote, in fact, speaking on Twisted Metal creator David Jaffe's YouTube channel, <laughs> the funniest thing ever, Ross clarified that his source for the sales numbers was a defunct website called GameStat, which effectively tracked trophy data to calculate a rough number of players, right? In this instance, used copies, PS Plus versions, and rentals would all contribute to the 8 million figure. The true number of sales is likely a lot lower, even if the game was clearly still successful. Now, Jeff Ross did reply, but he only went to Twitter and all he said was one statement, which is, I stand by my numbers. Okay. Wait, so that's a weird thing that um, used copies would factor into sales data. So like he was, sales. here's the thing, he wasn't even looking at he sales looking data. He was looking at trophy He was looking at engagement data. data. Yeah. That's yeah. not sales yeah. data at all. Exactly. So, so we were back to like, did it really sell 8 million, dude? <laughs> he, he surmises it does, but whatever. That's kind of, it's a little bit beside the point. Mm-hmm. The point that people were uh, getting stuck on, is it fair that Sony made uh, Ghost of Tsushima out to be a big success, whereas Days Gone was just dragged through the mud and uh, they reportedly... Uh, did not greenlight a sequel, even though Sony Ben had ideas for it. Mm-hmm. But my impression is, um, even if it did hit eight million, like over what amount of time did it hit hit eight million, mm-hmm. and was it full MSRP for every sale on that? Definitely not, right? Definitely not, because I remember like uh, Days Gone came out in what April of 2019, yeah. late April of 2019, <laughs> and immediately after, like it was discounted, like forty dollars tons of like flash sales for it it's currently available on like the the playstation like collection that's available as like ps5 like as part of ps plus for ps5 users so you can play it as part of your subscription there so this is definitely a game that i think got more sales after the fact and had a second wind when it was on discount where i feel like ghost of tsushima definitely got more full msrp sales out of it yeah, and I think that's where probably Sony sees it more of as a, as a success. If you do recall, this was the same man that said, uh, "If you want to really support a yeah. game, buy, buy it at release. Yeah. <laughs> buy it at release because that's when publishers are looking the closest. That's how they really measure the success mm-hmm. of a game, which I think is a little, a little bit of a jilted kind of kind of mm-hmm. way of thinking about it because." Uh, and we'll get into it with another game. Think about some games that have really long lives or games that are meant to be played over a huge amount of time. Mm-hmm. 
why does it matter that it, whether or not it sells directly at release versus like you know maybe word of mouth getting affected and stuff? What I, it comes down to businesses in their yeah. fiscal years. That's what it always exactly. Means. Right. We see it with every industry, right? Like we see it in film, we see it in music for mm-hmm. sure. And I think it's one of those things, right, where it's like they had a target like fiscal quarter that this needed to hit hard in to get some return, uh, and it just didn't, unfortunately. And I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of elements that went into it, right? Um, and I could see why maybe they thought it was a bit of a failure because I think if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, the game went into development in like 2013, 2014. Yeah, it had like a very protracted uh, development yeah. cycle. Long development, and I think there was a lot of like weird mixed hype around it. Uh, not, sorry, mixed reception around it, rather, because like early media outlets were, were kind of playing it and the coverage was like, ah, it's kind of okay. Like it's kind of a mailing open world game. It's got a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe detracted a lot lot of people um and also it's the thing where i think they were trying to hit a certain high of like okay cool like sons of anarchy zombies this is really hype but by the time it actually finally came out like six years later it's like maybe people's uh want for that sort of media kind of had like died down a bit or like had we maybe not gotten a game like you know the last of us right maybe this would have like fucking sold a bit harder than it did but. other other folks are pointing out that well uh metacritic matters sure um it sits at a 71 for the ps4 edition yeah. on metacritic and yeah you're right it's uh it got a very mixed reception and also launched with a lot of bugs and a lot of issues yeah a lot of audio issues a lot and, of like <sighs> and like don't get me wrong i really like the game yeah. i at first wasn't quite in love because like, I feel like the opening hours of the game just don't really speak to how the rest of the game really unfolds in a cool way, especially mm-hmm. the story. But I I thought to myself, man, it'd be really cool to get a sequel that like, you know, moves past the issues of the original game. Mm-hmm. But I can see why a company like Sony would look at it and say, well, you came out of the gate, you know, real rocky. And maybe the sales weren't what we thought it should be. Right? Because, again, you also got to think, well, Sony has their own expectations regardless of what happened over the year plus of its release, right? Yeah. And then to them to think they're like, oh, well, let's invest in a sequel. Well, like from a business perspective, I'm sure they thought in their heads, well, if it comes out and does worse than part one, why? Mm-hmm. Why greenlight this? Exactly. And that's exactly what happened where they're just like, nah. Yeah, it's, it's tough, too, because, like, Days Gone came out in the years following, like, Spider-Man PS4, which was, like, their quickest selling and most popular selling, like, <laughs> yep. PS4 game. Yep. Uh, and then God of War as well. So it's just, like, and I mean, you can't expect every, like, AAA Sony tentpole game to, like, do the same return in terms of numbers. But I guess with the amount of marketing that they put in it, the star power, right? They had Sam Witwer, right? So, like, they, they had so much kind of investment putting into it. I think it was at fucking, like, every Sony conference uh, up until it came out, and it had multiple state of plays. So it's like, they were putting marketing hype into it. So yeah. I think they were probably just disappointed by, like, the the returns of it. Now, the, th- the thing about, like, the tweet from, like, Sony is, like, they were just kind of putting Ghost of Tsushima out there, right? It's like, hey, yeah. this game sold 8 million. It wasn't even to disparage Days Gone, but Jeff Ross, like, pulled it into the conversation and i don't think like he's wrong to have because i think he's he's probably still really hurt over the circumstances yeah i think his feelings are totally justified especially if like if internal management was making it uh seem like oh you guys fucked up on this one yeah right um i mean well first of all stiff competition when you're talking about god of war and spider-man you know Mm -hmm. when it comes to sony exclusives but i will give some amount of credit to sony for not like doing the whole ea thing which is like oh you sold soft your studio is gone 
Mm-hmm. They were like, no, Sony Ben, we're just going to put them on a different franchise. And that's what happened. Yeah. You know, or, whatever they're working on now. Or doing like the Square Enix thing by like disparaging like Marvel's Avengers against like Guardians. Yeah, it turns out this was the wrong studio for this kind of thing, huh? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> it was your choice. That <laughs> was yeah. your choice. It's it's just a bummer because like Ben's studio had mainly been like kind of a support studio up until that point, right? A lot of, like, lot of Vita titles, a lot, yeah. of, lot of different uh, smaller projects for sure. This was supposed to be their, their thing. Their time. <laughs> in the sun yeah. right and i i think it's still a very admirable like first try at like their big triple a game i think it's great i think it's a great game yeah me too but... it, it's it's a little long in sections mm-hmm. and and the problem with it too is like it's one of those games that like gets good 20 hours in so like you really <laughs> do problem. it is a problem right big so problem. you have to invest time in it but once you get to the heart of the game there's heart to it it's a very like emotional journey the character works really good uh, and I, I don't mind its open world kind of nuances. And, we love and a long game. We love a long game, you know? <laughs> so. Daniel's making a face. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. So, I don't know. Um, what, what, what else is there to say on this one, do you think, really? Not much. I totally understand yeah. where he's coming from. And I also, from a, just a very objective business bitch standpoint, understand why Sony made the choice they made, which is to say, nah, you're not getting a part two out of this. I'd be interested to see, like, budget-wise, like, how much went into making this game. That could have been a big factor, yeah. too. It took it took a long time to get this game out of the door. Who knows how many millions of dollars were dumped into it. Mm-hmm. Games cost, games of this scale cost, like, nearly $100 million to make. Yeah. That's the truth of it. It's not, like, $4 million, and then you're good to go with Days Gone. No. Yeah, they're doing, like, <laughs> expensive tech shit on it, too, because yeah. it's, like, there was mo-capping. Yeah. Like, really gorgeous cutscenes. I mean they I mean they hedged their bets by hiring Sam Whitmore and not like Norman Reedus. <laughs> to, to be fair. Like I, I like sure. Sam. I like Sam. Sure. But Sam Sam's not like, oh we we got um we got Ryan Gosling. <laughs> you know but I feel like Norman Reedus probably just did it out of like courtesy and friendship to like Kojima. Like I don't think like Norman's always an expensive get. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that's true. Norman's not awesome. Like, but I'm, I'm talking about the TV show echelon of actors. Okay. The man from The Walking Dead is probably going to have more play than fucking sure. Ice Dude from the CW. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> or whoever he is. I don't know who he plays anymore. I forgot. I think I'm conflating him with... No, uh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of the guy from uh, Prison Break. What the fuck has Sam Witwer done? <laughs> he was in The Mist. He was in the mist for like four minutes. He was the guy that got eaten by like a crab monster. I'm pretty Let's sure. Because I, I don't want to disparage Sam Witwer. I, I don't mean to disparage Sam Witwer. I'm just saying he might be an easier get. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, I know. He was, he was in Being Human. He was in Once Upon a Time. He was in Solo, a Star Wars story. He was. Smallville. He was in, he was in Solo. Wow. He was in Rise of the uh, Skywalker. What? Who was he in Rise, Rise of the Skywalker? Skywalker? I don't know. Is he, is he just like the stormtrooper they keep on? I know he was Starkiller in the Star Wars games, mm-hmm. right? But this is all besides the point. Yeah. <laughs> this is all besides the point. Listen, if I can't find him in the first 20 uh, <laughs> actors named in Star Wars, he's probably like a secondary. God, he's going to listen to this podcast and come after character. us so fucking hard. And you be like, you think I'm cheap, bitch? Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. was in Rise of Skywalker? Shit. Was he? Apparently, I love that man. Yeah, he I was that man. Canon Juris. Anyway. All right, all right. Ne- next, <laughs> next, next topic on, on the board here. Before Sam Whitworth sues the save room in 2022. No, it's going to be Jeff Ross coming for us. Oh, he can get over it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I guess next, like, kind of, I, I want to call it a small bubbling topic before we get into the news. I'm calling it the not news news preheater. Uh, this is something that came out on Twitter. I guess like towards the weekend. 
uh, it's about it's about Dying Light Two, which is coming out in February. Dying Light Two campaign and side quests will take eighty hours to complete. Game will take five hundred hours to hundred percent. That's a jump. Yeah, that is a jump. Uh, there's an, also an article about it on IGN uh, as well. Um, the reason why this even warranted any sort of topic conversation is just because everybody's been talking about it oh, right yeah. now. Like, and it there's some dissent about it. People are not happy with the the runtime. Okay, um, and it, it's just you know been bringing interesting conversations into the forefront about like how long is too long for a game especially Uh. like an open world game right like you know 80 hours to complete all side quests and and main mission stuff like that's longer than most games like people will play in a year (laughs) Um, and then to kind of put the expectation of like 500 hours for everything that's that's a lot i can't think of any single player game that i put 500 hours into right like plenty of multiplayer games right yeah like continuous over its lifespan like overwatch i've put almost 2,000 hours into uh rip and then a few other games as well right your your call of duties and stuff but yeah i and with the 500 hours too it's it's just because there's so much like i guess intricate like design and i guess choice driven story beats that happen based off of what you do in the world that make the game longer which i mean it's cool that there's so much variety of play but you know i think people are maybe getting our shock over this one where it's like oh my god that's so long i that that feels daunting and exhausting and i i definitely am of uh of that camp as well um but i think mainly the conversation is coming from like games media types right who they need to play a game in a week or two and then move on to the next thing. And they're like, 80 hours is, is, is truly too long. <laughs> and it feels especially daunting because it's the first major game to come out in February. And then the next two are also big open world games, right? Like Horizon Forbidden West, Elden Ring, which are going to be substantially big open world games. But I don't know. I For me, Dying Light 2 is never going to be like a day one buy. It might be like a I'll buy it on sale kind of game sorry jeff ross it might happen uh, you know but what what sorry with sam whitworth yeah. what what's your take on this though because like i know you're interested in in dying light you are of the mind that like you know if a, if a a long game is good it's good for you you're gonna keep playing it you have hey, no complaints right that's what it is whereas me like i get daunted by open world games right like especially if you're having me do kind of the same shit just to pad out runtime um and if if it's you if each hour is unique, which that's not really going to happen. I could warrant it being 80 hours, but I don't know. What about you? Is, is this exciting for you? Do so, you think this is, do you think the conversation around it is warranted? Warranted? I think the conversation is definitely warranted because, yeah. you know, life is really dull. As I get older, yeah. I realize that life is boring. So to be able to latch on to some random tweet and throw your opinion into the void, you feel like you have some control over this late capitalist society. But other than that... <laughs> <laughs> I I so I like open world games. I'm the open world defender. Um, I'm one of the few people that looks at a Ubisoft game with the gigantic map and says, "All right," versus getting fucking angry at them. I get angry at them for having shit work practices and uh, mm-hmm. uh, supporting sexual harassers. That's worth my anger. Sure, they're over long game. I say to myself, I just probably won't finish it. Doesn't mm-hmm. upset me. <laughs> I don't know. But my question is like, where are all these completionists coming from? Mm-hmm. Coming out of the the, the gates. I, I will say one thing. 
I see a lot of games media people reacting to this very negatively, and I understand because part of their job is being able to complete games or get through at least enough of the game to have a solid impression. And mm. when they're faced with a 500-hour video game, that's a disruption. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like when they have maybe – they get the game – a week before it actually comes out and then they yeah. have it under embargo so they literally have a week to maybe like beat the game and it's impossible yeah, what are you gonna do in a week in most circumstances you have to hook up a fucking iv and stop going to the bathroom yeah. to be able to like complete this thing within a week <laughs> and usually they have to play other games and yep. do other things because that's not their sole job just playing one game yeah <laughs> i think um i especially as i get older i do appreciate uh smaller experiences or more more um, straightforward, concise experiences, but mm-hmm. I still have a love of open world games because I, I love the feeling of jumping into something and being like, I have a variety of things to do and take on, and there's recurring loops that are like fun to me, right? Sure. Um, for this game, I love Dying Light 1. I think it's great. I am also a little confused how we get from to what Dying Light 1 is, even with its expansions, to this huge jump of, like, we're doing Dying Light Universe. <laughs> like, it's fucking... I'm like, uh, did you guys, like, accidentally design an MMO? Yeah, Dying Light Online. <laughs> and I think this might be overinflated because they're saying 100%. There might be a lot of bullshit that they're counting in here, or maybe they got somebody to uh, disable the sprint button and work through this fucking runtime. Who knows, right? But maybe they're... Tr- I know that there are... Um, um, unlike Dying Light 1, there's branching paths uh, in the story based mm-hmm. off what you do. And they showed cool things like, hey, you can either help um, this, these rebels like steal water from this kind of, uh, how would you say, a militia group. Mm-hmm. Or you can help the militia group. And obviously you're not going to be able to do both in the same run. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're saying if you want to see everything, you got to replay this bitch like four or five times. I think that's closer to what's going on, sure. which is something I'll never do. I'm not the kid that played Mass Effect and said, let me go back and make yeah. different choices. I was like, no, that was my Shepard story. Yeah. That, that's not. Or like the Fallout kids who are like, I'm going to do it every which way in Fallout yeah. 4. I'm going to yeah, no uh, be allegiance to the, the Minutemen versus the, the Railroad versus the Sins, all this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But right. at the same time, like I think there will always be a uh, – if you could justify that kind of thing, if you could justify like getting people absorbed into a 500-hour like hour game, cool then that's there for people to engage with it. Mm-hmm. What I didn't read was that, oh, in order to actually like finish and enjoy this game, you need to spend 500 hours doing it. No, 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 no. They yeah. didn't say that. They, they didn't, didn't say, say that. that. No. They, but, but they did say the runtime is like 80 hours. I was mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> yeah, for all side quests and main missions, which that's a lot. Like, yeah. you know, I think of uh, a lot of the open world games that I've, I've played and enjoyed, uh, so many of which I have not done everything in right like the sony first party ones i think are slimmer experiences right sure. like horizons like a 40 to 50 hour open world game uh shushima i think is a little less than that spider-man is less than that like, yeah yeah those games are it's yeah. a nice sweet balance yeah i enjoy those because i know hey i'm gonna actually be able to complete this yeah. and still feel like i've enjoyed the whole open world right yeah uh, these are a little different. Like mm-hmm. when I play like Bethesda games, for instance, I'm just like, I'm never going to see everything here yeah. because a lot of the times it's not worth seeing, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, Hey, another cave you say with bandits will slap my ass silly. <laughs> I didn't realize Bethesda. Yeah. Like, it, it just, okay. And maybe there's a lot of that here, right? Where, Oh, clear out another bandit, uh, camp and Oh, oops, zombies. You know, who knows? I will see if the game is fun. I don't give a shit if it's very long. Look at Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I had nothing but fun during that mm-hmm. runtime. It gets a little long in the tooth, absolutely. But you know what I did? I fucking segmented my enjoyment of it by like spreading that over, over like a year. Yeah. Right? I said, okay, I'm going to put this down and come back to it. Yeah. Right? Because the systems aren't so convoluted that I'll forget what the fuck to do when I go sure. back to it. It's it's 
No, pretty simple. I slap around people with my beautiful mystios, and uh, I sell ships, which is actually really cathartic. <laughs> yeah, some games are like that, where it's like easy to uh, you know pick up and and run with. I, I'm in that same spot with Odyssey right now, where I'm probably around like the seventy hour mark, and I probably have another sixty hours to go. So when I do hop back into it, I have to have the mindset of like, all right, time to just like finish this, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Breath of the Wild's like kind of another one where like I'm I'm 70 hours into that game, still haven't beat it. But like every time I do go into it, I'm just like, I'm just going to explore a little bit. I'm just going to, you know, live in this world. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. Same with the Fallout games. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, my thing is like, I'm not games media, but I am also- yeah, you are. You're an, here. An, an, when you're in this room, you're yeah. games media, Daniel. Thanks, dude. No problem. I needed that. I needed the the reassurance in this moment. I see you, and I was like, this is a games media. I did the Samson thing. I cut my hair. I lost my strength. So thank you for giving me strength. No problem. Uh, but I'm an adult, right? Like I, oh. I, I have things I need to do. Like I spend time working. I, you know, have a social life. I edit podcasts. So like, you know, I don't always have time to just like give my life to an 100 hour experience, especially what, you know, when I'm a mood gamer and I'm a tastemaker and I want to play like as many games as I, as I can. Tastemaker. Yeah. Wow. I know this is a, an inviting prospect for some people who maybe buy one game every six months and they're going to sit on this and they're going to really love getting the mileage out of it. But for me, it's like if you're going to ask for 80 hours of my time, it has to be really worth it. Make it worth it. Like Spider-Man, that gameplay is fucking fun. It's fast. It's a treat to be in that open world. If the gameplay is a slog, if I'm doing like like you said, like 50 fucking zombie bandit camps and there's really no variety with it, I'm going to really ask why the runtime needed to be there like that mm-hmm. is it just because you wanted to just fill out a game and make it as long as possible i don't know I, I think at a first blush right yeah. when you're looking at this and you hear that a game is 500 hours your immediate thought is there's no way that all 500 uh, 500 of those hours is dynamic or interesting mm-hmm. there's got to be some repetition in there oh always it has to be repetition yeah. and so i think that's what the main like vitriol like reaction to it is for me i'm just like okay there's probably a bunch of bullshit in there that pads out this runtime that i could ignore sure for the through line of the story, like any fucking open world game. I'm I'm a little more, um, I guess, <laughs> neutral about this because I'm just like, all right, show me why this game is this long and I'll decide if I'm going to spend time playing it. But yeah, it is a strange selling point. It's a strange, it is. It's a strange thing to like kind of communicate about your game and say, hey, we have an egregiously long video game. Enjoy, kids. Like, yeah, that, that, that's a weird one. I mean, Final Fantasy XIV is like a billion hours of time foreseeably to go through all the expansions and all that shit, but I never see their accounts say like, here's how long it is. (laughs) Like, that's not, how about like, how, how, here's how quality it is, is not communicated through length. No, and I I think that might be an exciting selling point to some people, but for us, it's just like, yeah, but where's the fat coming from? And I think with MMO games, it's just expected, right? That Mm -hmm. these are ever... Uh, these are games that you're going to live in forever, for years, really. And there's going to be a lot of return. There's going to be continuous content with it. And I'm not going to say that they won't add content to this because I'm, I'm sure they will uh, over time. But, you know, initially it's like, God damn, that, that's an overwhelming number to hear. Uh, because I like I like a quick game sometimes, right? Like, sure. I, I like my indie games that come in under 10 hours. I like my AAA games that are like, yeah, that was 40 hours and... That was a fucking tight, good experience, right? Like, I'm, I'm about those tight experiences. I like so. my five-hour games. Like The Gunk, for instance, yeah, that I sat through game. in one playthrough, got through the whole thing. Great game. Yeah. Great game. But, but we'll see. Dying Light comes out 
uh, February 4th, so we'll see if... Oh, I'll see. I love Dying Light. I've been waiting for this one for a while. Yeah. I've been... Oh, like, it got delayed, like, a whole year? I I was like, fine, give it as much time as you need. I didn't realize that they're, uh, what, (laughs) adding 400 hours to it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Delayed a year, got fucking 400 more hours. Daniel, I got a big news episode for you. We've already... uh, Our twos are long. Good thing for the double Colgate. Now, I've got six items on here. The first thing is going to make you joyously happy, which is number one. Konami is celebrating Castlevania's anniversary the wrong way with NFTs. Ha ha! He's smiling. He loves this. He's Daniel's smiling actively. He he can imagine the bored apes of Gabriel Belmont. <laughs> I, yeah, I would love to see that Castlevania of just like the Belmonts fucking like doing a mace chain attack on fucking bored apes and bored Draculas. <laughs> so on today's episode of Non-Fungible Fuckery, a podcast within a podcast, Konami, a publisher whose game output is non-fungible these days too, has announced the Konami Memorial NFT Collection. Are we memorializing themselves as, as a as a company? What what is? Yeah, the they're like, oh, we've given up on games entirely. This is our new <laughs> business model. Here's our digital headstones. You know, I'm not surprised that they're buying into this though, considering what they just had a legacy of, which was fucking like pachinko machines. Right. Like, they would be the first to step on this yeah, landmine. Of course. Absolutely. Now, the first set of environment killers focuses on the acclaimed vampire killing series, Castlevania. From Konami's website, quote, my friend, in commemoration of the 35th anniversary of the Castlevania series, NFTs featuring game scenes, BGM, and newly drawn art from the Castlevania series has been issued, end quote. Did they get their lawyer to write this? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the excitement? They're not even excited. The copy editor it's just like, what am I doing with my fucking life? Yeah, how do I write this in a way that's eye-grabbing with, with not so many buzzwords? <laughs> the auction will be held on OpenSea's crypto marketplace, and purchasers will get to have their nickname listed on Konami's website. But be warned, if your nickname is, quote, socially unacceptable, end quote, then your privileges will be revoked, Daniel. So no Simon Ballmount or Alucum. You understand me? You don't get to put jokes on the memorial website. It's a good jokes, though. I like that. <laughs> no alicum. <laughs> Fuck. Now, Daniel, if you didn't know, it's also Metal Gear's 35th anniversary this year, too. However, releasing NFTs for Metal Gear sounds exactly like the type of shit Kojima warned us about in the Metal Gear game. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think, I don't know that that would be right to do. <laughs> yeah, and it would also assume that uh, Konami cares about Metal Gear. Uh, probably not. Yeah. I mean, we talked about a few episodes, uh, or last year at this point, that, like, it sounds like they're outsourcing their IP yeah. for to develop new games, but also that's another big fucking we'll see. <laughs> right? Wasn't the rumor that there was going to be, like, a remake, remaster of, like, Metal Gear 3? 3. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice, but also, like, okay, sure, you know. Kevin. This is stupid. Oh, uh, never mind that. I was going to say, lover of uh, Castlevania and all yeah. things Konami. Talk about the most embarrassing way to celebrate the anniversary of a video game. Like, I'd rather you sell a fucking gamer girl bathwater from streamers at like Castlevania yeah. and post it on your official site than yeah. fucking NFTs. Sell me like a fucking limited time uh, blood orange IPA called fucking Vampire Tears. That would be right. dope, dude. <laughs> so, I would get super excited over that. I think maybe their their mindset is like, well, we've already done all the port remaster collections. What else can we do? I mean, uh, yeah, that's true. Last year they gave us the advanced collection awesome yeah. they, they could still give us the, the ds collection by the way there's 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 a like the games that got me in the castlevania are in the ds yeah. including portrait of ruin 
That could be awesome. But instead, <laughs> we're getting NFTs of, of background music? What does that even mean? I don't know what that means at all. Actually. I've actually looked at it. It's just like a picture of like Simon Belmont standing in front of like the name of a song. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what People is are going to love it. Tech bros are going to love this. And it's unfortunate that we're only going to see more and more of this, right? As companies buy into the hype of it, right? We already have it happening in every media industry right now, right? Like, do you want to go to the happening? Seattle NFT Museum, Daniel? Uh, I don't, actually. Do you want to go to Belltown? I saw, saw pictures of it the other day. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we're seeing it now in movies, right? Scream has NFTs that they're trying to fucking hype up. Uh, Ticketmaster is commemorating the idea of, of NFTs. For fucking, what? Their tickets? Yeah. Now I can, like, immortalize the fact that I overpaid? What was that? I think I took a screenshot of it. Hold on. Oh, you can't do that. That's yeah. how you're breaking <laughs> no, the blockchain. That was a screenshot of an email. <laughs> you're, rocking, you're breaking the blockchain over here. <laughs> oh, my God. It sucks. Hold the side. Hold on. Is, is it, like, every episode now we're going to have fucking uh, NFT watch? I fucking hope not. Because, like, this I sucks. just thinking about NFTs, thinking about digital stuff scarcity and all this shit like it's 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 exhausting to think about and it's even more exhausting because i don't care about it is kind of the thing but yeah no Ticketmaster sent me an email this is how they decided to start off the new year right they're like thank you for being a fan from the first barcode ticket to contactless entry Ticketmaster has always been at the forefront of emerging technology for live entertainment one of the hottest topics in 2021 was NFTs, one-of-a-kind digital collectibles secured by blockchain technology. To continue delivering innovative experiences to our fans, Ticketmaster helped launch NFT marketplaces for some of the top sports leagues, teams, and artists. These marketplaces offer a variety of NFTs, including digital ticket stub collectibles, commemorative tickets, and team legends. I'm just like, what are you offering me? You're giving me fucking an NFT of a fucking ticket from like, what, a Fall Out Boy concert from 2012? Like, what What do you, what's the offering here? I wonder. What is this for? I wonder, little Kevin, when I first picked up an NES controller, mm-hmm. if he understood how unhappy gaming would make him in the future. How unhappy he would be as a, as a 31-year-old. <laughs> Could I, can I, is there a way for me to warn myself through the blockchain <laughs> to just get the fuck away from this guy have a, have a productive life cuz this is going south real quick my dude mm-hmm. real fucking quick it's i would rather have pogs oh for sure that's pogs. the idea pogs are fun commemorative pogs give yeah. me the hard pogs yeah. the slammers oh the slammers were great man fucking castlevania style like, if That'd i had sick. a slammer in my fucking stack like you know it was going to be a good weekend yeah right? <laughs> you're like i'm fucking playing for keeps with these man are you losing slammers left and right <laughs> like <laughs> what, so what yeah. fucks me up about this is like it's like companies are are trying to chase the trend right like nfcs are hot it's this thing that like everybody can't stop talking about it and because it's one of those things that we're talking about companies can profit off of obviously they're going to want to do it right my thing is like one nfts add nothing to commercial art they (laughs) they destroy the environment they suck uh tell that to mike shinoda mike shinoda mike shinoda big nft defender here oh my god yeah, yeah. And Fallout Boy, they have NFTs coming out too. And it's just like. They're still a band? It, they are. It's just one of those many things that speaks to a company's greed and avarice and wanting to profit off of just like what's hot in the moment. And meanwhile, there's a fucking, you know, server load room somewhere that's just fucking destroying the environment. And it just sucks. NFTs suck. Keep them out of gaming. <laughs> Here's my impression 
even if we switched over to environmentally friendly NFTs, it's still a stupid fucking thing. Yeah. And it's horrible, and I don't want to see it in video games. What, what, what is wrong with everyone? How did we get here? Why do we want to keep burrowing this way? Get God. Can, can you think of another trend in recent years that's made like less sense than this? Less sense? Yeah. Not, no. <laughs> Maybe uh, the, the Tide Challenge. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the Fair Tide enough. Pod? Yeah. Yeah, that makes that sense. Well, moving on, since the next episode will be completely about NFTs as well. Uh, number two, my friend. The Last of Us remake might release this year. Wow. What? The most necessary remake in gaming for a title that was released 27 minutes ago is almost finished. This is according to industry insider Tom Henderson, very white name, and corroborated by Video Games Chronicle. Earlier this week, Mr. Henderson tweeted the following, quote, Heard from multiple people that the T-L-O-U, which... But that that's the the last of us i just want to point that out remake is nearly finished and could release during the latter half of 2022 end quote now the last of us part two will also see some love though the details are a little bit slimmer tom said quote with the last of us 2 multiplayer and the last of us 2 director's cut i've heard they're coming too but i don't know exactly when slash how them all releasing together could be a good compromise if G.O.W. got delayed to Q1 2023, end quote. That's God of War, yeah. by the way. The Ragnarok. Yeah, we know that for a fact because Microsoft calls Gears of War Gears now. <laughs> so we just put G as an acronym for that game. Uh, however, he says that this is just his personal speculation. He didn't really specify if he meant like which part of it was a speculation, <laughs> like why they would be releasing that, or if God of War is actually going to get delayed. That's interesting. No. I have a strong suspicion that God of War is going to get delayed. Oh, it's totally likely. Yeah. Totally likely. <laughs> but Tom believes this Last of Us push is to promote the upcoming HBO show, which will also likely land in 2023. Last year, Bloomberg blew the lid off of the Last of Us remake, confounding many, as the originals were released in 2013 and saw a remastered edition in 2014. The remake was initially being handled by PlayStation's Visual Arts Service Group, which sounds like a theater troupe, honestly. But Naughty Dog reportedly took lead on development. Yeah, we talked about that uh, as well, which is, um, I think we both had the same impression of like, oh, wow, really? This one? Last of Us? You're going to remake Last of Us? It's not old. No, it's not old. It's a game that came out in, one like, 2013. Yeah. Um, and they they did a remaster, like, literally, like, the year after for PlayStation 4. Yeah. Uh, it, there's so many different versions that you can buy of that game. You can literally buy it on PS3, PS4, PS5. It's super available. The only reason I could think that maybe they want to make this is because The Last of Us 2 came out, and it's just a great, like, mechanical improvement. So maybe they're trying sure. to make it a more mechanically sound game and give it, like, a better polish in terms of, like... Which you know, is all my, they can do at this point. I mean, I, I played The Last of Us 1 uh, right before The Last of Us Part 2 came out. Same. And uh, the character models and, and uh, like, that stuff is is amazing, right? Like, mm -hmm. the, the mocapping looks great, even to this day. So I, I don't think that that needs much improvement. But there's some, like, maybe environmental rendering and maybe, like, uh, other things they could do. Th throw some god rays in there, right? Do some different, like, effects otherwise. Blue pointed it up. Blue pointed up. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, this is the most unnecessary remake there ever was. Now, uh, we're sitting here with no Dino Crisis fucking yeah. 30 years later. It's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> Resident Evil 2, that warranted a remake, right? Yeah, 20 years after the fact, yeah. right? Here's the thing. Like, uh, Resident Evil, the remake original is only, like, seven years after 
Yeah, which is like, oh, oh, oh okay, yeah. cool. I, I, I can see that. But then again, there was such a big technology jump between PS1 and like when we got to the GameCube that it was like, okay, maybe it was warranted. Sure. And especially what they did with that game was like a re-kind of configuration. Do we see them reconfiguring like story elements or gameplay elements like in this one to I don't warrant this? Think so. I mean, it, it literally just feels like it's serving to drive the idea of The Last of Us as a franchise and drive hype for the HBO series. Hmm. That's all it really feels like for me. It just is the idea of like being a, a machine that feeds into itself. I mean, if you want to get daring with it, if they want to remake it, they could maybe make it be a pantomime of the show, right? Because the show, I don't think, is going to follow the same beats like entirely as the game. Oh, I thought you meant like have the actors as the character models. No, no, I think that would be horrible. No, 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 no. Like I'm, I'm just saying. So, like you know, if the if the HBO show has different like story beats and things that are happening, maybe the remake can lean into those ideas a bit more. Mm-hmm. I, it's 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 a funny thing. Like we talk about, oh, it's so unnecessary. I'm gonna buy it day fucking one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and this is why they're doing it. I'm yeah. like, ah, it doesn't matter that it's unnecessary. It's just like the name and the idea of a PS5 remake. Like that's enough. That's enough to warrant. Like the, mm-hmm. I, this, there's no way that this game does badly, right? Like it, it it's gonna sell. And this is why Sony's doing it. It does lack imagination i don't mm. think it's a thing that needs to happen i do like however doing a director's cut of last of us part two yeah, so like that's great ghost shishima director's cut and death stranding director's cut great improvements great ps5 upgrades to uh the games that were already yeah. there it's, it's tough because the last of us part two already feels like a director's cut there's so much game there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think it means that they're gonna add content to yeah. it as much as they're just gonna say like in fact, maybe that's how they piggyback the multiplayer mode, saying director's cut is how you play factions, sure. and then it's a normal game upgraded for PS5. That that would be cool if if I thought that's what they were doing with factions, because yeah. like the idea, I think factions was supposed to be its own standalone game. Originally, no. Yeah. Originally, it was multiplayer for Last of Us yeah. Part Two, and then the rumor Jason Schreier said is that it's a standalone game, like its own skew. I don't think they know what to do with it. I don't think they do either. And I think at this point, maybe just abandon it. Yeah. Like, how good is it? You know, because like, hey, don't get me wrong. I liked The Last of Us's factions. Not, I don't love. I didn't love it. <laughs> it was fine. I've had a lot of time into it. I know you did, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and that's like, it's insane because like you're one of like only like three people that I know that did that. That's pretty good. Because other people were just like, what? <laughs> Naughty Dog doesn't do multiplayer, and then they moved on. I know every Uncharted has yeah, multiplayer. They, they try. No one gives a shit. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. The thing is, like, they they have to do something really dynamically cool with it, right? Like, yeah. The, the first factions was you were playing as hunters or scavengers, uh, just just binary human groups, right? Now, I think I'm sorry. It was either hunters or fireflies. Um, yeah. And and now with like the new game positing the idea of like, okay, you have you know the wolves. Uh, you have the fireflies, you have uh, the rattlesnakes in California. Like, you could do more, like, factions, obviously, but I would love to see more, like, infected in there as well. Because, like, the first factions, it's just human versus human PvP. Yeah. There's no fucking, like, horde-type enemies, nothing like that. So seeing, like, what a game like um, like World War Z did with its PvP elements, where it's like, okay, yeah, you're doing three versus three, like, human versus human things... Uh, but then there's zombie hordes that you have to account for. Sure, there could be cool. cool stuff that they do with that, rather yeah. than it being just a bare bones uh, multiplayer experience. But honestly, like, I just I don't know. I think they should abandon it and work on a new IP. <laughs> that yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. But again, it's one of those we'll see. Uh, let's not be too surprised during uh, whatever PlayStation showcase or state yeah. of play that they announce this at. 
Um, hopefully it's worth the while. Like, I I wouldn't mind if it was just like, hey, here's a huge graphical overhaul to the original game. Because I think mm. the framework for that game is perfect. I think the game is great. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's one of my favorite titles to release, mm-hmm. uh, part one. And I think a lot of that is because it's just a perfect distillation of, like, uh, cinematic storytelling mm. with kind of game design that supports the narrative constantly. There's yeah. nothing in that game that I don't feel like is not in service of telling a story, which is cool. Sure. It's very cool. Yeah. But. I'm never mad about having like a reason to go back to that game because it yeah. is like a damn near perfect experience. Oh, I, I like having a reason to go back to The Last of Us Part Two because I didn't do a replay of it on mm. PS4, but if there's a director's cut, fuck yeah. yeah. Easy. Easy get. I platinum that game. There you go. Yeah. I didn't because <laughs> it was a long fucking game. Number three on here because we hate long games <laughs> number three more sony for you bud sony announced psvr 2 oh yes at ces 2022 sony unveiled their plans for playstation virtual reality 2 electric boogaloo <laughs> the headset is exclusive to the ps5 and will launch either late 2022 or uh, 2023 if we're being realistic about how the supply chain is going right now it's not it's not so good it's not so good it's not great now shunning the move controllers thank god pieces of shits by the way <laughs> pieces of shits psvr2 will come with new vr2 sense controllers replete with haptic feedback and adaptive triggers to quote enable players to feel and interact with games in a much more visceral way end quote ah enable a product manager's favorite word (laughs) i see it over like on every document (laughs) we got to enable we got to enable the user Now, the headset itself cranks more power directly into your eyes, too, offering 4K HDR, 110-degree field of view, and something called foveated rendering. It has an internal OLED display capable of 120 hertz of refreshing wow. rates. Yeah, that's that's, that's like really putting, that's like putting the new switch right up to your face. <laughs> yeah, like your like, life is too real. <laughs> now, PSVR is it gets wilder actually. Yeah. There's a lot of tech in this. PSVR is also capable of eye tracking, allowing for additional inputs based on where you look, which, you know, feet, feet, feet. <laughs> The combination of eye tracking, headset feedback, and 3D audio stacked together in what Sony calls PSVR2 Sense technology. Uh, It amplifies the sensations of in-game actions from the player. All of this, sensing and pulsing, is connected to your PS5 by one single USB-C wire. A big improvement over the fucking chaos of the the first PSVR, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, despite this impressive head tech, only one title was announced, a VR spinoff of Horizon called Call of the Mountain, being developed by Gorilla and Firespite. No date. (laughs) No date for that. But I imagine it would have to come out in time for, you know, your fucking headset, right? Yeah. Um, I also don't know if it's backwards compatible. It, I would assume maybe since PSV or sorry, PS four uh, games are playable on PS five, yeah. so you'd still have access to like a little litany of VR games. It'd so. be nice. That'd be cool. I, I think it would be stupid if it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know how big the PSVR one library is. I think there's probably like what a hundred or so games there. It's something like that. It, yeah. It's it's not like a crazy amount of games, and a lot of them are like experiment games. Like, hey, what's it like to dress up as Batman for thirty minutes? And mm-hmm. then like that's a whole fucking Arkham game that they made. Yeah, um, and then there was like Job Simulator and Trover Saves the World. Yeah, yeah. There's some like cool a few games. other ones. I think Beat Saber is also on on PSVR. If I oh, recall correctly, I think it is. Oh, okay. I, it fucking better be. That's like one of the best VR games. I don't um, know why I thought that was an Oculus one. 
I know it's on a, a couple of things. Okay. But uh, yeah, so my my big thing about this is like I like VR. I I like it. I don't love it. I don't own it. That, I, if I loved it, I would own it. Sure. But I like it. I've I've played with uh, I've had you know experience with Oculus Quest, mm-hmm. and I thought that was dope because it was uh, completely wireless free, mm-hmm. and that's. And that's kind of what I wanted from this. So like, but then again, they 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 got it down the one wire. Cool. Yeah. But that was like the the cool fucking thing about Oculus Quest, which is like I am free Completely of wireless. wires. Yeah. However, yeah, one thing to point out: the visual fidelity was really down. Mm-hmm. Like it was like you could tell you're looking at. It's kind of like when you have a dream and things are blurry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it would look like that. So being able to see shit in 4K at that refresh rate yeah. which could makes, either be super nauseating or really immersive. Who which knows? makes sense why it needs to be tethered to the, the actual console itself. Because, yeah. uh, like, you need that higher transfer of, of data <laughs> and uh, graphics happening via cable. It's, I think it's, it's not impossible to do wirelessly, but it would probably be very expensive. Is very kind expensive. Of the thing. It would have to have like onboard tech like, yeah. in the headset to yeah. enable that. And then this is one. This gets the price down because like we've seen VR headsets come out for what like a grand. Mm-hmm. Look at uh Valve's VR. Yeah. What do they call it? Steam VR or some shit? Something stupid. Valve VR makes more sense to me <laughs> from a branding standpoint. Sure. But uh, yeah, it's cool. I'll, we keep on saying this episode. We'll see. I don't know. I feel I feel like Switzerland right now when it comes to gaming. I'm I'm just in the middle. I'm like, all right, come out. Let's see the reactions. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it's cool. I don't know if this tech will be worth getting like rated right release, especially if there's like one fucking game where you walk around looking at pretty horizon models, you know? Yeah, that's the the tough thing about it, right? VR for the most part, like you said, has just been like little slice of experiences, right? There hasn't often been a lot of support for full game experiences. Um I mean, most recently, right, we got like Half-Life Alex, which was like a pretty highly rated VR game. Um, then we got Resident Evil 4 in VR, which was like the whole game in VR, which is pretty fucking dope. Um, I think we're kind of like rearing up for fuller game experiences. And I think from Sony, there is the promise of some of their first party stuff translating into these bigger meteor experiences, which is pretty exciting. Well, speaking of, somebody modded uh, Resident Evil 2 and 3 in VR. Oh, that's cool. That might be pretty that's interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah, I really wanted to play RE4 in mm-hmm. VR. Um, I think it's only for the Facebook thing. Mm-hmm. That, that is Oculus, isn't it? Is yeah. it the same show? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Which I think they're, they're calling... Well, it's Oculus 2, but they're also kind of merging the idea of like metaverse VR into it as well. Yeah, I want to die. It's this whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah kill me. Uh, it's, it's weird, right? For like two people who are in, in tech, right, in terms of uh, jobs and then like just being into new console and hardware releases, especially when it comes to Sony. Myself personally, like yeah. I've never really been into the idea of VR. I'm just like, I think it's cool. The price point's always been kind of like, Eh, whatever and the only game yeah the only games that have really ever seemed to call to me it's like oh it would have been cool to play tetris effect in uh, vr and then uh you know beat saber seems fucking awesome mm-hmm. uh and then a few other things like blood and truth seemed like an interesting experience but yeah it's it, i don't know it's not ideally how i want to play a game but if you know the 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 hardware is there um and it's a comfortable experience right because like that's the thing too you have to wear this fucking like visor on your head for extended hours and you know stand in a space ambulating and it's like it's it's a lot to ask versus just kind of sitting in a chair and gaming um so depending on how like user-friendly it is as well on top of the price point might you know change how i feel about it but right now i'm just like this is cool it's cool to see like gorilla leaning in and you know giving their ip and just being like here do a uh, horizon experience right and see what that's like i think that'd be pretty cool and i think there's other opportunities you could do as well there 
Um, but I'd be interested to see like how plentiful it is at launch. Like, you know, we're going to see supply chain issues with it and production issues with it as well. And mm-hmm. then also what's the price point, right? The PlayStation 5 right now is $500. Mm-hmm. And then the digital version is 400 there, there, You'd have to get this thing in at like 300 or like 350 Like They didn't do it for the first one. The first one was what, 400 400 Yeah. I, th- I think the most you could ask is 400 for it. It'd be really hard to ask yeah. somebody to pay $500 for this. I think it's going to be 5 You think so? They have p- proprietary controllers and it's capable of 4K. Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to be 5 I'm very afraid that it's going to be like 5 and People are going to be like, oh, the sticker shock's going to be a lot. Yeah. And there's going to be an onboard game. Probably Call of the Mountain is going to be like onboard. Sure. Like with it. And all you do is walk around and look at fucking robot dinosaurs. Yeah. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's cool to see that they changed, like, you know, the, the controller sets. I think the name is really stupid. Sense controllers. Get the fuck out they of They sense it. Stupid. They, they're senseful. But I hope they're better than the fucking dual senses. My stick's going on my latest controller, same, too. Same, dude. Piece of shit. My first one's going. What the fuck is wrong with you, Sony? Um, Manufacture better shit. <laughs> really? With some of, like, the haptic support that's current in the dual sense and then, like, the, the 3D audio... Uh, I think that'll be very cool to see elevated in three 3D spaces. Like spatial audio is really cool. Uh, how mm. can they play with that, right? How could you build a horror game using that sort of thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's a lot of cool potential there, but like it's just for me, it's like it's a cool thing to see happen from the outside perspective, but it's not something that excites me. It's a good point. VR is the best thing to happen to those fucking first person Unreal made horror games, yeah. right? Like that's how they're meant to be played. Where I just like look at stuff and open drawers and like get spooked. <laughs> like it was designed for it, basically. Yeah, I don't know if we're ever gonna get a full on like fucking like action game. Like, could you imagine playing as like Kratos in VR, doing like all of like God of War fucking twenty eighteen in VR? That's a no. lot. That's a lot to like ask a person to do. No, no. And then you need to build in a microphone so I can be like, boy, right. <laughs> well i mean we'll see i I, if if they're if it's an attractive proposition if the price is right if the the catalog is right like i feel like i'm more open to this than i was previously just because i've been kind of craving a more interactive thing and as i get older it's harder to stay fit so like games like tricking my brain into thinking i'm having fun while working out in a game like beat saber only benefits me and might be worth the the sticker mm-hmm. price point so that i can actually make it through my doorway so sure. that'd be great sure. that'd be great <laughs> i sit down for a living it'd be nice to have an excuse to stand up and slash things while listening the green day maybe <laughs> i mean we have the elliptical you can put on some fucking that bitch is dookie. so loud it it's is. so crickety and loud it's getting worse and worse isn't it you gotta put the dookie up to 20 then what do we do <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you American idiot! <laughs> Get on there and and listen to, to uh, Dookie. <laughs> There's some hits on there, man. <laughs> there is. I got a number four on here for you, if yep. you can believe that. E3 won't have an in-person event this year. What? What are we going to do? What do you mean? How do I figure out what publishers are releasing? I want to see Koch Media in person. Oh, I love Koch Media. I love what they got going on. All of those hit titles that they announced. Um, payday? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pay, payday, payday. Okay, well, here's the news. The Entertainment Software Associates, or ESA, has announced E3 will not host an in-person event in Los Angeles for the second year in a row. However... It's unclear whether or not ESA plans to hold an online event as they did in 2021. There's there's some outlets like Kotaku saying, oh, they're going to go like virtual only. They didn't confirm that at all. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'll tell you why. So the ESA told GamesBeat, uh, shout out to Jeff Grubb, quote, Due to the ongoing health risks surrounding COVID-19 and its potential impact on the safety of exhibitors and attendees, E3 will not be held in person in 2022. We remain incredibly excited about the future of E3 and look forward to announcing more details soon, end quote. When IGN pressed for more information, the ESA could only say that they couldn't say at this time. While the ramp-up of vaccinations in the last several months looks promising, or looked promising, I should say, a swelling in new COVID cases across the U.S., which includes new variants, has disrupted plans for public gatherings, much like E3. At time of recording, which is now, Los Angeles County has set a new record for single-day coronavirus cases, having reported more than 43,000 new infections last Friday. Wow. Probably don't want to have an event. <laughs> right now now there is a little sidebar to this which i see you uh scrolled over in the google doc <laughs> so let me open that up because my fucking my phone is slow as shit is that uh mr mike futter if you don't know who he is and i don't and that's why i'm clicking on his profile name uh he is a founder and business analyst f squared consultancy co-host of virtual econcast he's an author game dev business handbook all sorts of things he is a man in the know and he knows gaming mike futter i've heard his name he's a game dev uh, he says that this announcement is spin, pure spin. This is his quote on Twitter. I heard from sources in mid-November before Omicron's emergence at the end of that month that the ESA had abandoned their dates for the LACC, the uh, LA Convention Center. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like they were always planning to not host E3 at LA and are acting like it's this is the reason. But the rumor is that last year's event went so poorly that mm -hmm. they just can't go about it anymore. Combine that with the fact that our many, many publishers, Coke Media <laughs> included, have figured out that they can just directly fucking broadcast to audiences and we still receive the message, mm -hmm. whether or not the ESA is a part of it or not. Yeah. So why would a publisher spend exorbitant fees to have a physical presence mm -hmm. at a convention in the middle of a fucking pandemic mm -hmm. when they could just have a state of play and bingo bango does yeah. the same trick, right? Yeah, the overhead isn't worth it right now. No. No, or the risk. The risk is not worth it. But it is interesting that ESA is acting like, oh, this is because of uh, recent uh, events. No, it sounds like they've been planning for months mm -hmm. <laughs> that, like, let's not do this. Interesting. Yeah, it's tough because it's like I think um, people have been making the argument that uh, E3's physical presence has been on the decline in previous years, like in years leading up to now. And, like, yeah, there's truth to that as well, but, like, it's hard not to look at, like, what happened last year and look at what's happening right now across the fucking USA in terms of COVID cases and the fact that we're going into year three of a pandemic, which is fucking insane, to just be like, yeah, it's not worth doing, right? They could literally just slap the E3 name on every digital conference this year and boom, call it E3 Digital. Like, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and then, of course, you know, the resounding question amongst uh, the Twitter space is E3 dead. No. Um, well, one overall for me, I'm just like, eh, whatever. It's never affected me. I'm not a games media dude. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get to go there. They're not, they're not going to invite the save room to walk around and, and stare at their booths. <laughs> yeah. The closest we could have probably gotten was like PAX. Yeah. Or maybe Dragon Con. Yeah. 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 Like so pu publicly available events. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, or we, we could have gone that one public year and stood in line for 10 hours to mm -hmm. see like three and a half seconds of a game that comes out a month from now. It, it doesn't make any sense. But, um, 
the, I, I think the one thing, and Janet Garcia made this point. Janet Garcia, kind of funny, mm-hmm. Mix Max, Max, Max Min? Min, Min Max. Max. Thank you, Min yeah. Max. She had pointed out, well, like, if E3 dies, that means, like, everyone's going to start hosting their own shitty events. And it's like, we've already seen it happen. And I hate it. Yeah. I hate having to, like, e, E3 last year was a nightmare of, like, well, we have an event at 12. There's one at 3. There's one at 3.30. There's one mm-hmm. actually back at 12.30. I hope you didn't miss that one. That was a PC showcase. And it's just, like, everything all over the place. And I'm like, oh, no. And then throughout the year beyond it, look at what Keeley's doing. I was going to say, Summer Games Fest really fucked up the messaging of, like, what is E3? Yeah. What isn't? Is it all considered E3? Is it all considered Summer Game Fest? I, so Summer Game Fest is not E3. No, it's its own thing that was kind of happening like simultaneously as E3 was. Uh, I think you just need to merge the two. I appreciate the yeah. consolidation. I don't like ESA or E3 as an entity. Like I, I, I think they've they've had a lot of shitty things go on. Like that one year that yeah. everyone's information got leaked and they didn't do anything to, except to go like, "Hey, sorry about that Excel mm-hmm. <laughs> that got out there." Um, I, I, I don't like them as an organization but there is some purpose or rhyme or reason to having a consolidated event where these things can mm-hmm. happen because otherwise it gets fucking annoying yeah it gets so annoying now everyone wants to do a showcase like four times a year have these touch points throughout the year is that better do yeah. we like that daniel why why can't you just let jeff Keeley helmet and just have like the esa sponsor it right maybe just like be like jeff Keeley and esa presents e3 right or something like that well he, he was involved with e3 for almost every year yeah. except for like the last two years for some some reason maybe they got pissed off at the game yeah. awards stealing their thunder right who knows but uh okay there, there is merit to uh what janet said though and you know what we've seen happening is like more and more Companies are going to keep doing their own digital thing, right? Like yeah. We've seen Nintendo been doing it for years now with their fucking Nintendo Directs. We see Sony doing it with State of Plays and their their bigger Sony conferences. Uh, we see fucking Xbox doing it. And now just seeing each uh, publisher do their own thing, right? Like Ubisoft did their digital thing, Capcom. And it's like, they all have the power to do it. I think the thing is, like, how do we make it feel uniform, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is kind of the thing. And like, it, even though it was all E3, it still felt kind of disjointed here and there. Um, that's the big problem yeah. with it right it's disjointed and like the message gets kind of wallowed up and now yeah. i can't even remember when like big reveals happen anymore i'm just mm-hmm. like i was like what show was that when did that happen yeah let me ask the question right like do we even need e3 like what what does it serve here we go anymore right here obviously like it is this kind of like fun summer hype machine to drive releases for like that are coming out like in the rest of the year and then the next year to follow. And I think that's exciting, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like gamer Christmas, right? It's fun. Uh, it gives <laughs> games media things to write about and, and crunch for in terms of hitting deadlines that week. Cause there's so much to fucking, you know, write about. If you cut through the, um, let's say audience impact, yeah. let's say like it, it isn't, it isn't just about, um, you know, announcing new games to the general public. If you look at the actual, like, mechanical function of what e3 served in the past which is it's a networking event Mm -hmm. for for you know games media to check out for press to check out new games and then also for these um smaller developers to get publishers on board with their game by showing it off be like here's my indie game here's my fez here's whatever Mm -hmm. that doesn't quite uh, that island is shrinking because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic so 
And I think people are already figuring out like, well, how do I how do I evangelize my work as a, like let's say as a developer mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere? How do I network in a better way? How do I set up meetings elsewhere? So E3's uh, kind of prominence in that front is also dwindling. So it's like its purpose is not it, it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. You know, it's not safe to do that kind of thing. To show up at a massive event filled with people yeah. and be like, oh, I'm going to sell my game and get Omicron in a one fell swoop. What a productive weekend. But, I mean, I guess there are ways to translate that to a digital space, right? Doing, like, digital press events, digital conferences that are kind of, like, maybe closed digital things where it's like, all right, we're going to have, like, pe- like people from publications come in and listen to this, like, dev TED Talk or whatever. Sure, for, for the press side, yeah. Yeah, for the press side. I think side. What, who it actually hurts is, is the networking for yeah. for the smaller smaller developers, right? And, and that that's tough, right? And yeah. maybe that that's what... And it's tough, too, because, like, you know, a lot of E3 is, like, crunching to get, like, a vertical slice of a game out just to kind of maybe represent it in a way. And maybe not having that anymore will take the pressure off these smaller devs, but even still, it still hurts the idea of, like, that they can market their product in ways. Mm-hmm. But there, I, there's still ways to do it, right? Digital demos are not a new thing. No. Um, but no. also maybe being like, hey, I'm going to let you play, like, a two-hour digital build of a game is dicey, right? Because, like... Maybe somebody could fucking, you know, steal the source code somehow and reverse engineer it to find the bigger game. Or, like, you know, we've seen shit happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It, it's a riskier ecosystem, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, the, we, we're in a public health crisis mm-hmm. right now. And then the efficacy of this event as being a consolidated, you know, fist of gaming news and gaming celebration, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's not there anymore. It's, mm. it's, it's been, um, how do you say cannibalized cannibalized by everyone else doing their thing sony's got four of them microsoft has like three a year yeah nintendo shows up with whatever whenever yeah i i, I don't know the efficacy of uh e3 we talk about it every year it's probably going on the on the out and out mm-hmm. I, the real question is what will be the last year of e3 it's not like do we need it anymore i think we've answered that question for four years straight we don't need e3 mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't need e3 um we were saying we were having this conversation before the pandemic shit yeah you know like does this need to happen um yeah we'll see (laughs) (laughs) item number four of we'll see (laughs) saver we'll see edition we'll see i got a number five on here we're moving out of clip baby this is another we'll see uh oh yeah dude number five is final fantasy titles may be playstation exclusives for the foreseeable future we'll see okay we'll see we'll see on this now video game chronicles jordan midler was seen gabbing up square enix's plans on the old reset era uh by the way uh the creator of reset era insists that it's resetera okay they are wrong (laughs) and these plans by the way apparently don't include xbox Though the majority of the publisher's titles will end up on the Phil platform, that's what I call it, Midler says Sony is pretty bullish about keeping Final Fantasy for themselves. Midler wrote, quote, Most of Square's stuff will end up on Xbox, but I wouldn't hold out hope for Final Fantasy unless something changes. Sony wants PlayStation to be the home of Final Fantasy this gen. Final Fantasy VII was supposed to be out on Xbox by now, but here we are. End quote. <laughs> uh, Midler hints that Sony and Square are teaming up this generation, but haven't announced to what extent, though fans should expect a slew of timed exclusives. Square does plan to keep PC players fed with PC ports like we saw with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Meanwhile, Xbox fans can still look forward to a little bit of chaos when Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins releases in March. 
hopefully that isn't the last bit of Final <laughs> Fantasy for, for you folks out there. <laughs> so what, what what's your thought on this? Do you think this is, um, and I think the answer in my mind is absolutely yes, is this retaliation for Xbox's acquisitions? Because they've been pretty goddamn aggressive. I mean... They bought Bethesda. <laughs> that was a big fucking power play, for, for sure. For Christ's sake. And, I mean, we haven't really seen seen Sony do an equivalent of it. No. I don't know. It's weird. I don't see Sony often being, like, reactionary, where they totally could be, right? Like, for them to have an equivalent even of, of a Games Pass took them way longer than I thought it would. Uh, and even their acquisitions. They still don't have Technically, they still don't, yeah, because Spartacus still... is, like, rumor vaporware. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. but, like, even their acquisitions they've done lately have all been what would, what Sony would already consider, quote, first-party studios, right? Like, mm-hmm. Asobi, Bluepoint, and Housemark, right? Like, yeah. those are studios that they considered first-party anyway, even though they weren't. Um, so, like, they've just been buying in-house stuff, right? I think the right. last major thing that they did mm-hmm. that wasn't already in-house was, like, Insomniac. You know, and that was like a few years ago at this point. Yeah, and I don't think it makes sense. Um, and I could be wrong. I don't fucking know. I'm not looking at a spreadsheet right now, right? But I don't think it makes sense for Square Enix to just say like out and out, buy us up, Sony. Yeah. I think they're a longstanding business that thinks um, very highly of themselves. And I mm-hmm. think they have the IP to say we can survive on our own. Yeah. But um, to see them get into bed with Sony in this, in this degree means that... Sony's throwing money at them. Even if they can't acquire them, they are giving mm-hmm. them a fiduciary reason yeah. <laughs> to keep their games. And remember, uh, Final Fantasy 16, PS5 exclusive right now. Mm-hmm. M- maybe PC, I think. That No Xbox in that conversation. Yeah. I mean, they're clearly fucking throwing money at, at Square for Final Fantasy, right? Because it's like they had <laughs> exclusive rights for Final Fantasy VII Remake for what was supposed to be like uh, maybe a year or so. They didn't really even outline it. And then they got Final they, Fantasy VII Remake mm-hmm. free on PlayStation Plus and then integrated and all this stuff. And then like to get even the the reveal of like, hey, Final Fantasy sixteen is an exclusive here. Like, again, is it timed? Is it not? We don't know. But they've had the bragging rights of being like, yeah, this is the destination place to play new Final Fantasy titles. Right. Um, the the unfortunate drawback for Microsoft and American companies that we're talking about two Japanese juggernauts that have the privilege of being able to call each other up in the same time zone yeah, <laughs> and make these deals. That's true. Right? I mean, I've always kind of associated Final Fantasy with playstation right like yeah i'm I'm okay with the idea of like maybe square as a whole like kind of having their experiences that are elsewhere right like you know getting your life is strange type games getting your fucking you know marvel's avengers (laughs) getting yeah you know hits yeah (laughs) uh getting your like kind of satellite type games your tomb raiders but like i would totally be okay if they were like yeah final fantasy lives on playstation Uh, I, I yeah. it's a situation for me that doesn't burn me because like that's where i mainly play i think there's certain franchises that we do have these connections to one you know publisher or platform yeah um i think overall it makes me a little bit sad for the gamers sure i pity them a bit because it's like if you put all it's really hard getting one of these fucking next-gen consoles i somehow managed to get both but i'm fucking crazy there's a, there's people that are not going to like one have the money to do that and two have the wherewithal to try to sure. go through that so you know they're gonna be, they're gonna be trucking with one of these systems and or so if you made a choice PC. or pc if you made a choice to say hey i'm series x i love halo da, 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 da. i can't wait for the next final fuck what the hell yeah. you know that that sucks i hate that shit right um at the same time make it 
make it worth it. Like if, mm-hmm. if Final Fantasy 16 is only going to be on the PS5 and then eventually PC, um, really harness that platform. Yeah. Get, get, like make it like, oh, wow, this was really a PlayStation DNA kind of thing where mm-hmm. it used the SSD. It did things that only like particle effects and graphics and haptic feedback I could only get. Mm-hmm. from this system right don't 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 do the thing where it's like hmm this seems like it could be anywhere <laughs> well that's kind of the benefit of developing for one console right like really just getting to fully harness and not having to worry about spreading resources and development assets right it's like you get to just fully focus which only really benefits the end product but you know having it on multiple platforms benefits the consumer right and that's always the hard thing it's like well should gaming be about the consumer should gaming be about the product and obviously it's it's about both right Mm -hmm. but i mean the product wouldn't exist without the consumer right so uh, i don't know it's one of those things that's kind of kind of tough listen phil knew there'd be consequences after that bethesda shit he knew maybe we didn't foresee how but this this seems like a a um, relatively in the grand scope of things small reaction. Mm-hmm. I wonder what else will happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the other uh, clapbacks. You do, know, are do we you remember more timed like Capcom exclusives? Are I was getting... about to get real conspiracy on you, dog. Do you remember when PlayStation? Or sorry, sorry, sorry. Do you remember when Street Fighter Five was PS4 exclusive slash PC? Mm-hmm. Yep. What if we hear like the next day is like, yeah, hey, by the way, we bought up Capcom. <laughs> Capcom feels like they would still do the, like, agnostic thing, but they might lean into, like, yeah, yeah, you can have exclusive rights to, like, Resident Evil 4 remake for, like, two years. Oh, my God. Like, I could see them doing it. Listen, listen, you... Sony is not going to just take this. <laughs> They're not going to just take this. Bethesda was a big loss. That's a big fucking loss, dog. Yeah. There's no way to put it. I'm sorry, it is. There's so much brand recognition with uh, across Fallout and Elder Scrolls and then upcoming Starfield. Sony's going to be slapping. And it's and listen, the beginning was just saying, hey, we're going to acquire studios that we've always been in bed with. Mm-hmm. That is phase one. Yeah, for sure. Phase two is this shit. Phase three, you don't want to know, Phil. You don't want to know what phase three is. People will die. People will die. <laughs> we're taking the war to the metaverse. People are going to die with their Colgates. <laughs> their double Colgates. They're stuck in a Walmart checkout line losing their minds. <laughs> the the Bethesda thing is interesting, too, because, like, Bethesda, people could argue, had always been associated with, like, kind of Microsoft and PC. Uh, or, like, a lot of my friends were definitely playing those games on, like, Xbox first and foremost. Uh, and then it wasn't until, same here actually yeah. isn't that weird yeah and then it's yeah. like oh yeah like when i got into like you know having a playstation 3 and 4 and you know that's when i was like well i'm playing fallout on this console skyrim ran like shit on the ps3 it like, it did dog shit yeah and then you look at like kind of the things like mod support where it's like well xbox and you know they got the mod support where sony didn't so i don't know there's little things that you can kind of see in the tea leaves that were like maybe led us to this conclusion for and sure this shit going on with final mm-hmm. fantasy might be very much the same thing oh yeah i don't know I guess the only thing that I'm just kind of like what I don't love is we seem to be regressing as an industry back to what the Sega Nintendo days were. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, there's definitely like a slew of titles you'd never find on that fucker's dirty console. And you're like, oh, wow. Um, Okay. Yeah. It's so weird because like what? Two years ago was about like play anywhere, right? That was Microsoft's thing. Yeah. It's like you can play our games, like, fucking anything. You can play it on a shoe, you can play it on a phone, you can play it on a Nintendo. Now it's like, no, we're going back to that like really biting console. You know, you know what would be dirty? Hmm. It's like, okay, Mortal Kombat 12 is on both consoles, but only on Sony is there blood. <laughs> <laughs> Just like back in the day. <laughs> 
It's, it's, oh man, it's weird because it's like, I think the console wars are stupid. I think it's a dumb, dated idea that should fucking really just be done with at this point. Sure. You know, no more Xbox and Sony Pony. Console wars, but on the the flip side, exclusivity actually fosters competition and interesting experiences and ends up in the long term being good for consumers because it starts like pushing things forward because stagnation would occur if everyone was like, we have access to the same shit, I guess. I don't know which box is quieter to you. Mm. that's not an interesting like we might as well just merge these companies together which might be the answer where we kill capitalism and say you all gotta work together (laughs) (laughs) but ain't gonna be the thing right um but yeah i I don't know i i I, again mixed emotions about it right where i'm like that i think it's cool having exclusives that really harness a platform and then i also think it's uncool that a franchise that um started to propagate amongst different platforms is suddenly just going back to what it was yeah that shit that shit hurts well to i know i remember it being the kind of shocking thing right because like you know obviously final fantasy started on like nes and snes and then moved to playstation and then like when was it i would think it was the 360 generation where we started seeing ports of final fantasy games on that console like, i think it was like the 13 trilogy right like 13 1 2 13 3 lightning returns those games made their way uh to xbox 360 and i was like whoa what is going on and i was like in yeah. my brain i was like oh my god is kingdom hearts one day gonna make was, it on was, the xbox yeah 13 wasn't a simultaneous release was it the original uh, 13 no or, well it was ps3 first and yeah then, okay. and then it happened and then that's when stuff started kind of happening more in full and then eventually we got the ports to um um, to the switch right we got like seven eight nine ten ten two um and now we're getting like the pc stuff all over the place like the pixel remaster ports and it's just like it's cool to see final fantasy flourish like everywhere and it does feel like two steps backwards to be like all right we're gonna reel it back in and it's mm-hmm. just gonna only be on on playstation now but it's one of those situations where it's like I mean, it's a bold move, Cotton. I would love to see them do it. I would love to see them just kind of strike back in the console. Bold more, fucking move, man. Yeah. We'll see. I'm telling you. MK12, no blood on Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, dog. Well, I have a last one on here for you, my friend number six. Ken Levine's next game is caught in development hell. Is this a will see or is this a, like a known... Oh, we know. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we know. We well, know. we'll see if this game comes out. Yeah, is actually right. yeah. No, no, no. You're right. So, this is the last we'll see of the we'll night. six for six. <laughs> so, Irrational Games, the studio behind Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, was shut down in 2014, so its leader Ken Levine could start up Ghost Story Games. The idea was to scale down to a small team of hand-picked employees and work on a title that played with the concept of narrative Legos. This game, a sci-fi shooter set on a space station, would have a dynamic story that reacts to players' every choice. Hmm. It had AAA ambitions, but an indie science staff. It was supposed to be released in 2017. <clears throat> Listeners, if you didn't know... It is 2022. It is 2022. At the top of the episode, we mentioned the first news, which is 2022. (laughs) And then we talked about NFTs, if you recall. Um, According to a new report by Jason Schreier via Bloomberg, and and apparently I get a reallocation of uh, stories uh, for a month, by the way, so I was able to read this one. Oh. (laughs) You got to subscribe one day. This dude keeps on coming out with these fucking What's the subscription cost? It's like a dollar a month. Oh. It's like a dollar a month. Okay. I might do it. We should do it. For the news. Yeah. <laughs> for journalists. Now, uh, apparently Ghost Story's project is languishing and Levine's auteur style of leadership is to blame. 
Levine has been given carte blanche to develop brand new IP, but this level of freedom has turned into a production nightmare that is, quote, detrimental to their work and mental well-being. And I do mean the employees. Sorry, I skipped out on that one. I wrote this very quickly in the morning. Unlike the arrangement at Rational, where that studio reported to publisher 2K, Ghost Story reports directly to parent company Take-Two Interactive. Levine has reportedly told co-workers that their new studio is a rounding error that enables him as much time to create his game as possible without becoming a financial drag on Take-Two. Very interesting. I've never heard that phrase. Rounding error? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, it, it doesn't... The rounding error doesn't hurt your uh, your red book, your balance sheet, basically. Hmm. It's a rounding error. It doesn't matter. Okay. Right? As in, like... Take Two makes so much money. Yeah, they're estimating what they make about six million dollars a day from GT, yeah, GTA Five exactly. Online, like by itself. That this studio of like fourteen plus people, maybe a little bit more than that, since they've shored up since twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. um, is not costing them very much money just because they're fucking iterating in the dark for like eight plus years, mm-hmm. right? The problem with that is it gets fucking terribly boring and demoralizing for the people that want to ship a game mm-hmm. now for before we get into more of the story for comparison bioshock one took about five years and bioshock infinite took about five years to develop mm-hmm. games take a long time absolutely some games have had longer uh death cycles seven years such as days gone yeah or like what cyberpunk right right which was like eight to ten years Right, but this is this, in this situation, it's like, oh shit! <laughs> this game was supposed to come out in 2017. This was the idea was that it was always supposed to be a smaller thing. But Ken Levine is like, no, 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 no. it's ambitious. So, well, that's gonna be the hard hard thing too, right? Being Ken Levine, right? Being the creator of Bioshock, to come out and be like, well, my next project can't be anything less than the the impact that that was. Exactly. Right? There's got to be a lot, like, he's putting on himself and his team pressure-wise to make mm-hmm. this, like, a similar type of, uh, like, game hit, like, in terms of impact to the medium. Well, let's dive into his approach a little bit. Yeah. So, Levine's process includes throwing out months of material and progress if it doesn't meet his standard. Sources say the moment Levine would play other studios' uh, hot new releases, like Dead Cells and Void Bastards, still need to play that one, he would insist on overhauling the project to emulate those titles. Once an inspiring screenwriter, Levine's approach is to continually rewrite a story until it's perfect, to reiterate over and over again, to scrap what he doesn't like. One of the biggest problems the studio faces is that Levine wants to make a blockbuster in the level of Bioshock, but has an indie-sized staff. While some employees are optimistic that the game will release within the next two years, the studio has lost key members, like Mike Snight, uh, a man who made a transition from Irrational back in 2014 to Ghost Story. He said, quote, When it continuously goes in cycles and you don't align anymore, you kind of get tired of being part of that. Yeah. I wasn't really happy anymore, end quote. I don't blame Mr. Snight. Mr. Snight also said that Levine is a tough man to work for. Um, I read a, I read Schreier's book, uh, the second book that he did. What was it called again? It wasn't Blood, Sweat, and Tixels. <laughs> uh, isn't it just called Press Reset? Press Reset. And it talked about Irrational's closure. That book is cool because it doesn't focus on like, oh, the game or how the game got created or whatever. It mm-hmm. focuses on what happened to the people that made the game mm-hmm. after something like this happened. And they weren't sure what was going to happen after Bioshock Infinite because they thought like, well, we're probably going to the next one or we're going to be working on an XCOM game. 
Mm-hmm. That, that's what they thought they were going to do. Ah, they ah. thought that they were going to take a Bioshocky approach to making XCOM instead of it being um, more tactical based. And they were excited about it. And they were iterating on that. And suddenly a lot of decisions from uh, 2K came down and said, hey, some other studio like 2K Marin or something is going to be mm-hmm. working on this. You'll be doing something else. And so they were working in the dark going like, what are we doing? And Ken Levine just like wasn't there to talk to them. Like he was there every day, but he would go into closed door meetings and such. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was laying out the plans to shutter the entire studio, lay off the 100 plus people that work there and cherry pick individuals to start a smaller studio because mm-hmm. he was just so burnt out from AAA development. But then the first thing this man does is jump into trying to make a AAA game with a fucking ghost yeah. <laughs> ghost crew. And then like an ambitious concept of like what narrative Legos. Right. Where really every, dynamic. Every choice you make changes a story, which is yeah. like such a uh, reading the article from Schreier. One employee said that that requires hundreds and hundreds of hours of writing Mm -hmm. that they just didn't have enough time to get done with the size of their staff like it was just like crazy i can imagine like the the amount of qa that needs to go into a game like that too there wasn't even a game the qa (laughs) that's the problem with them like it was just a bunch of like iteration and things that they scrapped right and um i think what was pointed out in the article is that his style of leadership is uh out the door it's, you know, sure, we like to tell these stories of Kojima and Levine and Miyamoto, these fucking auteurs that were the project. Mm-hmm. Their ego, their personality, and their decisions are what made a game come out the door, mm-hmm. right? That's what we want to believe. Never mind the hundred other people out there fucking crunching all day. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're maybe they're tweeting. Who knows? It's Levine that's making this game, but it's not true. It's not true at all. Mm-hmm. And that must be so hard working for somebody and especially saying like, okay, well, you're the brilliant guy that came up with Bioshock and we've been sitting here for eight years and we haven't been able to get anything out the door. Yeah. That gets demoralizing. That gets boring too. That must suck for like new people that were recruited that maybe hadn't worked with Levine yet and they're like, oh my God, I get to work with like one of my idols. And it's like, you're twiddling your thumbs for eight years because you can't fucking land on a script idea or I guess a uh, gameplay direction for the game either. And Levine is one of those... uh... Special butterflies that has no problem dressing somebody down in front of others. Mm-hmm. That is not good. Not no. cool. Who would no. want to work for the auteur behind Bioshock if he was a dickhead? I mean, plenty of people would still anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not going well. The other thing that uh, that actually, like I read in the article that stood out to me, was that it is common that you can't put unreleased projects on your portfolio. Like, let's say that you're a... Uh, an art designer on the game. Mm-hmm. You can't put designs from fucking unreleased ghost story game. No, you have to put shipped games usually. But how do you explain what you've been doing the last eight years to potential new employers? Huh? <laughs> you know, you could just say, Hey, I hope you've heard of ghost story. We didn't ship anything. Yeah. I also can't show you what my work looks like because that's under NDA. That's tough. Fuck. You, could you imagine? I am, I am not the same person I was eight years ago, and nor is my work, mm-hmm. nor is my writing, nor, nor is anything that I do. And your latest example is from almost a decade ago? Yikes. What the fuck, dude? This, this, yeah, this is... Uh... Yeah. And then how do you go about selling that without disparaging Ken Levine and discrediting yourself somehow? <laughs> exactly. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I work under Ken Levine, but like he, he doesn't have his shit together. And then the interviewer is like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. That, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, I think um, the the tough part is like, uh, 
and this is something that I deal with in product management, which is you got to look at your resourcing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going through plans for 2022, like right now, to mm-hmm. say like, here's the amount of headcount we have. Here's the initiatives that we think we can get done that have impact. Mm-hmm. And do the two marry with the amount of weeks that we have? And the answer is almost always no. No, yeah. <laughs> like the, the answer is almost always no. And unfortunately for a game like this, where it's like a, we can call it a greenfield project. Mm-hmm. It's a new IP. Nobody's made it before. There's no, there's no engine to work off of, like, you know, RE engine already being established and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You're making greenfield stuff right here. It's hard to estimate these things. But just like when you're staring down the barrel of a six-hour podcast, you know something went wrong if you're sitting on eight years and nothing to show for it. Yeah, no, I think there, there's something definitely wrong. <laughs> right? So it, it takes um, somebody to say to tighten up and say, here's the planning. In the article as well that Trier wrote is that Levine um, was quoted as talking about how a game comes together when you realize you're running out of time. He said that himself. When you turn around and say, oh my God, we only have like a year and a half to ship, you, he says that's when the true decisions start coming out. So his own studio doesn't have that, that, uh, that pressure to say like, hey, this needs to form into something mm-hmm. because nobody's pressuring him to fucking knock it out of the door because mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, this is our auteur. He doesn't report to, to 2K. He reports to Take-Two. Take-Two doesn't give shit. They're rich right now. They figure he'll come out with his next Bioshock whenever. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to fucking publish it. And that's pretty cool. In the meantime... We're forcing Cloud Chamber to make an actual sequel to Bioshock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to hedge our bets. Which is actually a more exciting prospect than whatever Ken Levine's working on. Kind of, sort of. I yeah. guess because it's like a known entity in that way, yeah. right? Like, we don't, I don't know what this guy's working on. It sounds like Fallout in space. Aren't, aren't we getting that this year? Yeah. It's called Starfield. <laughs> I, yeah, right. Like, what's happening here? <laughs> it's going to be like a choice-driven space sim. Yeah. Are you just making fucking Prey? Like, what's You're going just on? just making Prey? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, if you came out with it in 2017, you would have beat all these suckers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, I I feel for the people working at the studio, mm-hmm. it must be very frustrating. Yeah. And then it must be extremely frustrating to see an article like this come out and be like, hey, by the way, we know <laughs> things aren't going well. Uh, that sucks. You know, you there is a, a theory of velocity in development, which is you need to be you need to ensure that every move that you're making from the start of a project helps you to meet the goals at the end of the project while mm-hmm. still scaling and growing at the same time. You can never be doing things that set you back. Yeah. Velocity. You need to make sure that you're always going forward and up. Well, the problem when you have an auteur who is just inspired by everything he plays, every new thing is like, oh my god, this could be what the game is. This could be what the game is. There it's goes like, velocity. Yeah, exactly. It's just like it becomes a spinning, spiraling thing that's just going downward at that point. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like, got to be super, super tough. Um... And don't be wrong, like I'd, I'd be interested to see whatever whatever this game is, uh, if and when it rears its head into into the uh, metaverse. But less so now, knowing that he's kind of an asshole and doesn't treat his team well. And, that's true too. You know, do you think we'll ever see a story about Kojima? Ooh, what's that guy actually like? I imagine it would be a leaked story from one of the actors he's probably worked with right like norman Norman reedus breaks his silence or like leah sado or uh conan o'brien right conan (laughs) o'brien comes out he's like he made me wear that stupid otter hat and he created me yeah but uh yeah not much else to say i mean what do you think this says about like auteurs in gaming and spaces right like they don't work they don't work right and i mean it's definitely like a dated title ship an idea right like uh, and as as we come 
forward into the future with more and more uh, stories about accountability, right? And people speaking out about stuff. It just like, it really speaks to the idea that like auteurs are just helmed because they came out with maybe a good product once and we hail them for that reason. Um, but we shouldn't put them on a pedestal, right? It, I don't know. It sucks because they're at the end of the day, they are people as mm-hmm. well. They're, they're not gods, you know, I think there needs to be project leads. Yeah. I think there needs to be somebody that says I'm in charge of the, the creative. I'm in charge mm-hmm. of, uh, the actual mechanics. I'm in charge of like what the gameplay is, you know, and have these people that come together as leaders decide what the workflow is looking like. Yeah. What are they trying to accomplish? And then be able to, uh, cascade that vision to everyone that's helping actually create that. So we know that we're moving in one direction together. Mm-hmm. When you have one person making all the decisions, it becomes quite simply a bottleneck. Yeah. And a bottleneck is how you get into problems like this, mm-hmm. where shit doesn't happen, or you're constantly re scrapping stuff, you know? And that happens in games, man. It's, it's about iteration, baby. Sure. Because, like, here's the thing it's not just like I'm filming a movie, <laughs> you know? It's like we're filming a script and we're working through what we got. It's more about you're also still working on a technical project it's mm-hmm. a tech it's a piece of technology and sometimes you have to invent uh, invent and sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board when shit is just not working mm-hmm. i get that i do get that but yeah it, it is kind of crazy to think that like oh wow uh a game like bioshock took five years and then this is not even showing its head like light of day within eight years mm-hmm. and then you look at why and it's like well bioshock had hundreds of People making that. Yeah. That's like a full studio <laughs> And it's like, but you've scaled the, the ambition for the project to be Bioshock, but you have like literally a quarter of the staff to do that? Mm-hmm. What are you doing with this sausage? Because it's not going to fit. Yeah, if you have a team of like 14 people, like you're not making a big AAA game. You're literally making like, I, I don't like even, a cited influence. You're making a Dead Cells. You're I think they a, started as like 14 people. I, I don't know if it like... It still they, is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's that small these days, but still, I don't know. <sighs> That's it, affairs. No, I think I think what you said is very astute, right? Like to come together and make a product takes a team, right? Not one person just spinning fastball ideas and 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 um, tearing people down when something doesn't kind of go right. Yeah, and, and you need you need really tight management and leadership in those situations, and it just doesn't seem like that's the sort of leader that Ken Levine is. Uh, maybe he was before. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I haven't read Press Reset. Oh, so. no, no, I read it. Yeah, he's yeah. always been kind of a so. screaming match, kind okay. of intense dude. Yeah, the kind of person that uh, that business folk seem to respect because mm-hmm. they think that business should be cutthroat because they have they all uh, grew up watching Wolf of Wall Street. Or, sorry, not Wolf of Wall Street, but literally Wall Street, yeah. sorry, Michael Douglas, and think that's how it gets, mm. gets done. It doesn't. Bobby Kotek would love Ken Levine. Nah, these projects have become so big, collaboration's the only way you're going to get it out the door. Mm-hmm. If you don't collaborate, you might as well masturbate i don't know how we <laughs> oh come on that's, that's the terrible... best you can do that's a terrible if you don't collaborate you might as well masturbate what Hang about on. mutual masturbation simon ball mount <laughs> all right all right <laughs> well how about this we'll see <laughs> <laughs> that's what i got for you on the news baby thank you thank you that was a a, a full feast of news and feast we'll see and, and technology and things in under two hours it wasn't a tight ninety. Not a tight ninety. I could I could you maybe can edit get it down to a tight, tight one hundred. We'll see. Tight one hundred, right yeah, on. We'll see. Easy edit, man. Easy edit. Easy edit. Well, Rates, thank you for, for listening and, and joining us in this first podcast endeavor of the new year. We hope you guys had a, a great new year yourselves and that you're you're doing well, taking care of yourselves. Uh, we already did the plug at the top. So no need to do it here. But I will say if you fi- want to find us on Twitter, can you can I get find a us. Huh. Is there a plug in your bottom? Ah!
Uh, I, was, I was like kind of spinning it in my head, but I was like, no, no. Nailed it. We already did the masturbation thing. We can't do another butt plug. Joke. Yeah, right before the podcast. That's how you get into the, the, the head game. <laughs> Little do you know, I plug for half the podcast. That's how I like really get in the zone. Bro, you plugging? I could tell. There is an energy. There is an energy I've never seen before. You got that plugged energy right You got now, that plug bro. energy in there, man. Wow. If you want to go find some big plug energy, you can find us over on Twitter at Save Room Show. <laughs> I don't have anything clever to say outside of that. That's all I got for y'all. <laughs> well, uh, I'll see you at the Castlevania Memorial. <laughs> With our uh, Castlevania uh, BGM <laughs> and our Simon Belmont NFTs. Would you like to see my BGM? What? Ooh. No. Sounds kind of sexy. It's a little sexy. It's a, is it a, is it actually the BGM or is it a receipt of the BGM? It's a receipt of a BGM. NFTs make no sense. No, they make perfect sense. Can we have a limit of how many times we could talk about NFTs on the podcast in this year? Um, I have to... Maybe 12. Are you saying that you want to decentralize yeah. our conversations <laughs> yes, about NFTs? I do, I do. I want a decentralized conversational <laughs> market about NFTs. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, well, you know, let me let me see what's going on in the open sea marketplace. Well, guys, thank you for listening. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Bottom plug. <play. laughs>